0: It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? Tell us. This podcast is making a best-of-the-best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply.
1: Up to date wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends, you can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is UpToDate on KCUR 893. I'm Steve Kraske. Kansas City lost one of its great trailblazers this week. Clara Reyes, founder of the bilingual newspaper Dos Mundos, died last Saturday at age 86. Reyes was a fearless journalist and an advocate for Latino voices across the metro. She was also a wife and mother. Her two children, Diana Reyes-Raymer and Edward Reyes, are here now to talk a little bit about who Clara was and what kind of legacy she leaves behind. Welcome to both of you. So sorry for your loss.
0: Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Thanks for you Steve having for us out.
1: Well, who was your mother, Diana? Tell us a little bit about her.
0: My mom was a great role modeler. She uh, was someone that we looked up to as far as a a woman of power, woman of determination, uh, loyalty. Uh, She had a lot of great values and shared with us a lot of values, but she was a leader. She was a community, uh, well, she really believed in the Latino community, but more importantly, she she believed in the L- Latina community.
1: Huh. <clears throat> Ed, tell us about
2: the determination aspect of what your sister just said. Well, if you know anything about her background, her history, the journey that she was on, you know, starting in, in Guadalajara from a family of, of 10, she... Um, you know, became a dentist. Uh, she graduated with a dental degree in, in, in Mexico, and then met my dad and moved here, got married. A dental degree, yeah. And she became a journalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs>
1: she's working both sides of the brain. There, it's right? quite the odyssey, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. It's,
2: she, she, and despite you know, you know, she she was taking on, she took the challenge on. She came here, like she couldn't practice here, so then she looked for what she could, how she could contribute, and through meeting. Other Latinos and Latinas in the community, she figured she found out that there was a gap in communication and information and felt like she needed to fill that gap. Hmm. So then, what started as a newsletter then grew into a newspaper. Is that how it started? Yeah. A newsletter, yeah it kind of uh, started, was it mailed out kind of thing? No, it was more like handed out. <clears throat> there were like uh, social groups. Mini Mundo was the name of one that they yeah. would, and then she would go to different community organizations and then. Very quickly, it turned into more than just newsletter. Within a couple of issues, it was like, okay, now this needs to be bigger and, and more, a broader spectrum of news and information.
1: You know, Diana, why was it so
2: important to have a newspaper like
1: Dos Mundos?
0: It was a bridge, um, basically allowing folks to know that uh, my, my mom had always mentioned when we would pub- publish something, and we were to only to publish it in Spanish, Um we weren't hitting both communities. We weren't hitting what she called the two worlds. So we weren't hitting the Anglo world and we weren't hitting the Spanish community or the Hispanic community. So her belief was to make sure that when we do any kind of interviews or articles, that it would to be published in English and Spanish to bridge the gap between the two. Mm-hmm. So that way they knew what was going on. So our political officials, our law enforcements, who at the time did not speak Spanish, knew what was going on. So that was um, one of those things I know that many times because of space, uh, we thought, well, let's go ahead and just let go of the English version. But we always came back to, no, that's not the vision of the newspaper. The vision of the newspaper is making sure that both languages – are in there side by side so that way both communities were aware of what was going on.
1: And when when she talks about that gap, Ed, (coughs) we're, we're talking about this idea that the Hispanic community was, what, operating, what, in somewhat of a vacuum until this thing came along?
2: Well, yeah. If you think about it, we're talking about 1981. That's when we first started. And you think about just some of the things that were going on back then, um, racially within the community, uh, Mm -hmm. acceptance within the community and not just from Latinos, but from Latinas or Hispanic (laughs) women. I mean, Mm -hmm. she really felt that not only serving Latinos, but also bridging the gap for Latinas in business. And Mm -hmm. so she got involved with a lot of things. We were based on Southwest Boulevard in the heart of the Latino community. And I felt like, it was funny. Every day, we always had these stories about how there was just a, a misunderstanding and a, 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 a not understanding of the perception or the perspective of Latinos in the community. Mm-hmm. And so she worked tirelessly to try to make sure that people understood both sides. And, mm-hmm. and the both sides are important because there would be days that we would go to a festival or a fair, and we'd put our paper down and non-Spanish speakers would come up and see our paper and would immediately say, no, I don't need that paper. I can't read Spanish. I'm like, but The English is right next to it. Yeah, right. So it was really, to me, that was where we were breaking down barriers. We were saying, hey, we want you to understand our community, and hopefully the the paper continues to do that today.
1: Diana, both of you have mentioned the focus on Latinas in in the work that she did. Why was that so important? Why that emphasis?
0: Well, to be honest, it was a male-dominant world, bottom line, politically, any kind of decision-making it was a male-dominant world.
1: And this was sort of a statement she was making in Absolutely. some ways, I gather. And then
0: yeah. her being a female and being a minority, she had to get up and stand for the rights and speak up. And that's a very hard thing to do and get out there and let folks know. And Ed and I both worked alongside. we were um, She was the spotlight, but we were the behind-the-scenes people just helping her out, making sure she was um, always in the right place. And Did you have any choice? No, I didn't. <laughs> My brother did. <laughs> he left for a little while, but I did it. I stuck by her side and and yeah, it was um, it was a lot of work. but as a team, we, we made it happen and as a team, um, we will continue hopefully uh, you know that we can let our community know that we are here for them, that we are their voice. Uh, we are <clears throat> there to help them out and, and encourage them more importantly.
1: Did she take some flack for being who she was? Absolutely. In what way? Every Tell me day about and that. every day. <laughs> every day, really. <laughs> yeah. How so?
0: Um well, because she wanted she wanted the truth to be heard. She wanted folks to know uh, what was really behind the scenes. And so there was sometimes she had some threats against her saying that you better be quiet. And um she would she would toss around that idea. She got scared, but her inner intuition would come up, and she, after speaking with a couple of other uh, leaders in the community, very prominent uh, Latino women in the community, they encouraged her. They encouraged her, and that she was able to go and move to forward. Keep going, yeah. yeah. And you mm-hmm. had um, large corporations even saying as she was looking for advertising between her and my dad, they would call up and say, "Hey, would you like to advertise?" And you're talking about big chain, you know, grocery stores saying, "We don't have your kind of food. I'm sorry, we're not going to advertise." And she's like, what kind of food are you talking about? And <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, we don't have, you know, like the beans and the, and the salsas and all that. She's like, wait a minute. We eat meat just like you do. We yeah. eat vegetables just like you do. And we're talking about this in the 80s. You know, it wasn't like this is something far, far behind. I mean, 80s and still at this day, it's sad to say that discrimination's still there.
1: Well, was that transi- <clears throat> transition to journalism, Ed, from, you know, her training in dentistry Was that a
2: big jump for her? It was a huge jump. Because if you think about, um, you know, the language differences, the decorum, the standards that journalism had. And she tried tirelessly to stay connected. Um, You know, you'll read that she was involved with the National Association of Hispanic Publications. And they also worked to help uh, create standards for new journalists to understand, you know, what you need to do, how you need to research what you do. They worked with the... uh, Oh, it just slipped my mind. There's an institute, Pointer Institute yeah, in Florida. Sure. Yeah. They came. Terrific. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great, great organization. So she worked, she dedicated herself to making sure that what she did was right.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we have a clip here from uh, Clara talking to former Kansas City Public Library Director Crosby Kemper III. This is from back in 2011. Let's listen. A lot of strong women in, yes, in yes. Kansas City. Yes. Anna Rio has
0: she always tell me, I said, Anna, I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm not gonna be dealing with this anymore because sometimes, you know, you write the articles and even the chamber one day called me and says, we're gonna sue you, you saying what is this and this and you're supposed to be Hispanic. And no, 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 no. I said, you know, I'm a journalist. So the Hispanic goes later, but I'm gonna sue you. And I said, okay, but Anna, I used to call Anna. Ana, should, should I publish this? Do it. But Anna, they says they're going to sue me. You do it. So, that you know, sometimes I got the courage from her because I, I'm a woman. And I, I sometimes the men's so, were trying to tell me what yeah. to do.
1: <laughs> Both her kids were laughing, by the way, as that clip was playing. But but it underscores the point here. You've got to be tough to, to be a journalist and shine a spotlight where it's got to be shined in I, I spent my career doing it. You get those phone calls sometimes yeah. saying, "Get away from it," yeah. you know, and it
0: rattles you to your core. Sure, it does. You you do have to find the courage, and you have to make sure that the information uh, breeds security, and that you know what uh, you're saying, you know what you're doing. You got to believe it with all your heart, and know uh, that you're doing it for the good. Where did that go-
1: courage in her life come from?
0: Oh gosh, that's a good one. Um, that's a great question. Maybe, maybe I th-
1: she just came with it. I don't know.
0: Well. It was just, yeah, I think it was just embedded within in her, that, yeah. that was something that it's kind of like in in writing or selling. no one can teach you those things it's it's within you and, right. and you 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 know you have people look at you like, how do you do that? and you're like, do what <laughs> it that was just her, and mm. um, she taught us, and she taught us well. I had the most incredible mentor. And I think that's what makes this so difficult because it's not just losing a mother. yeah. It's not just losing your best friend. It's not losing your business partner. It's losing your mentor. Mm. It's losing, there's a lot of um, eggs in this one basket. Wow. wow. So that's, for me, probably the biggest challenge.
1: We'll be right back.
0: Can we heal the environment? In Kansas, we're working on it. Up From Dust is a podcast about how humans reshaped the world to fit urban landscapes and agricultural needs. We'll meet the people who are rolling up their sleeves to find more sustainable ways forward. Listen to Up From Dust from KCUR, part of the NPR Network.
1: You know, Ed, she was
2: born in Jalisco, Mexico. Mm -hmm. How did she grow up? Well, um... It's 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 an amazing story. I sometimes I wish I could you know script a a, a movie script because you, you listen to the stories. You know, I I was able to visit, you know, early on the houses that they stayed at. Again, it's a it's a big family, a family of of ten. You know, with um, Grandpa and Grandma, and so I think part of what we were talking about with the courage is just knowing that it's a struggle within the family. So. And then I see the pictures where they lived. I mean, it was—if you think about it—it's in the 30s and the 40s. So, in Mexico, being Mexico, was you know that much behind what was going on here in the U.S. So, right. the technology, access to food, access to water—those kinds of things was very different back in those times. So, and the fam- uh, family was scrambling. It sounds like, yeah, saying. for sure, yeah, yeah. But 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 it was. It was it was family. I mean, it was you know, they did band together to to make it through those times. And and it's clear when you see pictures, historical pictures that we look at, you know, with our family members in in Mexico, it's it's amazing journey to witness.
1: Well, Diana, I'm struck by the fact that she talks so much um, about her and her sisters having to clean up after their brothers a lot because of the (laughs) gender dynamics of the time. Can't help but wonder how did that wash with her?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you now. Yeah, I bet not you very can. well. <laughs> not very well. Yeah. But it
1: rubbed it rubbed her the wrong way. Yeah. And that yeah. clearly continued throughout her career, her Absolutely. view of life and how she approached Absolutely. her work.
0: Absolutely. Even within my brother and I, I know that my brother would do things and I would be so discouraged. And she would always tell me, Anything he can do, you can do better. <laughs> yeah. That's just always her. She always taught me that. So
2: she was a quintessential trailblazer, Ed. <laughs> she was. She definitely was. And, and um, I think now that people are starting to, you know, express their feelings and their uh, admiration for what she did through the Facebook posts and the calls and the visits that we get, I think it's it's, it's a good example of what she did wasn't always up front. It was always behind the scenes. And now it's starting to come forward. And and
1: And speaking of that, didn't she work pretty closely with former
2: mayor Dick Berkeley on any number of projects? Tell us about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So again, being based on Southwest Boulevard at the time, you know, in in early, late eighties, early nineties, the boulevard was kind of neglected. And so she got together with the merchants that were on in the area and said, Hey, I think we need to do something kind of, beautify the area there's you know they're beautifying the plaza they're beautifying westport why can't they about do that yeah. yeah so she got together with berkeley and uh, other uh, representatives in the area um and said let's 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 create a plan and they did they worked together to create a plan they improved parking they put pavers unfortunately now you know as, as those kind of projects need kind of financing to sustain it and maintain it they're falling a little behind on that but, but she did see that, you know, working together, uh, they could do a lot of things.
1: Yeah. The paper wasn't Clara all by herself, right? Not even oh, by no. a long shot. No. What, what are some, some of the other things your mother managed to accomplish, Diana?
0: Well, um, she was able to be, well, she was a great leader. Mm-hmm. She was a great speaker. She was a great motivator. And I think that's what stuck with me the most. Yeah, uh, being that motivator. she was a great entrepreneur. Um, there was times even uh, when we grew from the paper to the radio stations, I was a bit uh, scared because my world was paper since I was a kid. That's all I've known, grew breathed. Why, when I was why a kid. did she
1: add? Why did she see value in <clears throat> the radio stations?
0: Because she felt that we were able to reach out to both uh, the listenership and the and the readership. Mm-hmm. And I've always – There were
1: two separate audiences sometimes. Two
0: separate audiences. Yeah. We we're not all audio and we're not all visual.
1: You're expanding your footprint. And when you
0: have the two and working together. So when she was ready to go to to, to radio, I was like, hold off, hold on. That's a bit much. <laughs> mm-hmm. But <clears throat> she believed it. She had the vision. And like you said, it, it wasn't just one person. Um, we could not move forward without the team that we had, and I think, if anything, that really represented my mom. Yeah, I've always told her, you have a team behind you, always. Um, whether it's our family, it's your your coworkers, your workers, your employees, they all understood the mission and vision of our company and our corporation, our media company that we mm-hmm. were doing.
1: I, I get the sense, that that early on, like any startup, maybe the financial bottom line was a little shaky, but that got somewhat better over the years, am
2: I? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like Diane was saying, you, we had a really hard time at the okay. beginning getting people to, you know, to advertise because obviously that's how you generate revenue. And they were like, well, we're not sure if we have what you need. J.C. JCPenney would tell us, we don't know if we have the clothes you guys wear. And I'm like, come on, give us a break. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but luckily with the support of local business, um, we were able to, you know, fund a lot of what we were doing. And then I think... At the time, there was a, a big awareness movement nationally that, you know, Latinos do make a difference. The, the the purchasing power of Hispanics is something to sit up and listen to. And that helped us, you know, make that jump into something more sustainable. I can't help but wonder where does Dos Mundos go from here?
0: Well, we were just talking about that outside. <laughs> as, a, as a matter of fact. As a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Our mission and vision would be to continue the paper. And I know that many folks don't believe in print right now. They think it's outdated. Um, But there is a lot to be said. And as we all know, and it doesn't matter what race you are, everybody's got a story. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got a story. And I think that's what the magic in Dos Mundos is, is being able to tell that story to folks, to let people know that you're not in this alone. And, And by sharing that story um i don't foresee the paper going away uh i hope and and truly wish that um in our efforts uh that we do continue the newspaper we of course need the support of advertisers because if you don't have advertisers you don't have anything you can't do it you just yeah. can't do it so yeah. but bottom line that's that is our mission and vision is to continue that to to encourage our our community to let them know that they have a voice um, to To give them that security to to be able to tell their stories because that to me is the most important thing.
1: I should point out that a visitation for Clara Reyes will be <laughs> held starting at ten a.m. Tuesday at Holy Spirit Catholic Church. That's at eleven three hundred west hundred and third Street out in Overland Park and uh, again, I want to thank Diana Reyes Raymer and Edward Reyes for coming in and remembering the life of your mom.
0: Thank you so much so Steve. glad we had her. Thank, thank you for having All us. the best to
1: all of you thank Thanks. you. Up to Date is a production of KCUR 89.3. The program is produced by Zach Wilson, Elizabeth Ruiz, Claudia Brancart, and Hallie Jackson. Our interns are Lauren Texter and Gabby Martinez. Paul Nakatura works our board. The theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.